I just have to wonder what you would do with Anna Paquin. Well, I mean. Take her to a nice dinner. It, well, yeah. Is this like in a romantic <laughs> context? No, you just said she's yours. And if she's yours, what would you do with her? Well, I was quoting Bill Paxton or Pacman or pa- Bill Compton. Thank you. <laughs> Bill Paxton, different person. <laughs> but if I had her, like in my pocket. A pocket-sized Anna Paquin. Pocket like, Paquin. Like a gachapon celebrity. Okay, so if I had a key ring size celebrity in my pocket, specifically Anna Paquin, I, I, like I mean, she's, you, she's inanimate, right? She's made of plastic, so I don't know. I'd probably no, throw no. her in the trash because I don't like clutter. No, no, this one would be real. It'd be like a Tamagotchi, but an, a celebrity Weird. that is dependent upon your... You'd have to sweep up her poop and give her shit. I was just about to say, do I have to feed her? Yeah. She has needs? She's an obligation. Weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'd give her to the SPCA and say, you guys figure out how to deal with this. I'm worried my cats will eat her. <laughs> <laughs> well, how big is she? She said pocket, pocket size. size yeah, yeah, but like, are we talking? Because I can fit like a uh, an iPhone XS Max. I can fit a big phone in my pocket. Let me just talk about, you know, how unfair your pocket size is compared to female. We've already gone over this. Yeah. We realize that women get a, a raw deal in life, <laughs> specifically around their pocket sizes. So, okay. So in this, this I, I'm thinking it'd be like a small Barbie doll, not like a, like a half size of a normal standard Barbie doll size. Okay. All right. Like a Funko Pop size. Is she a good conversationalist? You know, in interviews I've seen her at, she seems to hold her own. She seems very smart. Okay, I don't know. I'd, yeah, I'd keep her around. I guess I'd just feed her a small portion of the food that I make for myself. Mm-hmm. So that would keep her alive, and she would, she'd use the toilet. I'm not cleaning up her poop. She, why does she have to poop on things? <laughs> she can go to the toilet. You'd have to get her a little miniature one, like a Barbie No, because no, that doesn't have any plumbing hooked up to it, so I'd still have to clean that. So no, I think I would just... Like, 3D printed toilet. I'd make like a toothpick ladder up to the real toilet, and she would just use the real toilet. It'll be one fallen, and that will be all she wrote of pocket size in a pack. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully she can yell loud enough for me to hear her until I have to use it. You'll have to get her a little baby megaphone. Zachary, <laughs> I fell into the toilet. <laughs> she... I'm drowning. Wait, well, I don't, you did an accent at first. Zachary? <laughs> Zachary? <laughs> Is that how she sounds? I thought she was American. She's Canadian. She Canuckian? Yeah. She's a Canuck? But that's not what Canadians sound like. No, it's still I... not what Canuckian. <laughs> well, maybe a French Canuck. Then again, she's married to a British guy, so maybe some of that's rubbed off. I don't know where they So they she's live. a blend of Canuck, French, and Brit. Yes. Gotcha. And so that's that apparently, can, is that going to be? Is that going to be? Anyway, this is the beginning of the show. Oh. So, uh, good, good God! What what happened there? This is uh, this is rose tinted reels, uh, with Zachary. Zachary, uh, that's me. I am that is I. I am Zachary, and you are Allison, right? Yes, Allison Kraus. Kraus. Mm-hmm. So the paperwork did go through. The paperwork went through. Technically, went through as of waxwork. Oh, so all the way back, you know, twenty episodes ago. I know it's a it's been a long run we've had so far. Hopefully, they don't kick us out uh, yet. You know, they might if we don't get another five star review soon. And if we don't get a five star review, we're gonna have to go on a punching spree. You know what? Mm-hmm. It would just be the greatest wedding gift if everyone gave us a five star review. I should have put that on my registry. Exactly. So yes, this is a very special episode where Allison is getting married today. 
Well, tomorrow. 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 And this is in real time because I will have edited things and released them on the appropriate days. This is going to be coming after Taxi Driver. <laughs> and it will be coming out the day before Allison is actually the ceremony takes place for her wedding. Yes. And I can't believe this day has finally come. And as a little gift to us, our fans at the RTR community face place, I pledge to post some wedding pictures exclusively to the community face place page. How exciting. So I don't even get to see them until they're there. Well, you'll be there. That's true. You'll be one of the gents in a tux. I shall be wearing a fancy navy outfit with some silver trappings. It's true. Silver spats. Yeah. So this is a special wedding episode where we will be watching a wedding flavored episode uh, yes. or movie. Father of the Bride. Father of the Gosh Damned Bride. Now I have to ask you why we're not watching the OG one, which was from 1950. So the original one with Elizabeth Taylor in it, which is kind of funny because Elizabeth Taylor, known for her failed marriages. Is she? Yeah. Oh, okay. So she's kind of known for marrying, divorcing, and just staying filthy rich she is living that hollywood lifestyle it sounds and she's also known for her beautiful lavender colored eyes she has purple eyes lavender she's a targaryen i guess so targaryens have purple eyes oh i didn't know that because that that wasn't very apparent in the game of thrones episodes i saw well i'll tell you why that is first of all you haven't seen any you've seen like two or three but secondly i saw the wedding not the red one the one where horse people dothraki yes come on now (laughs) momoa (laughs) <laughs> yes, Jason Momoa, who is a ripped up human being. I mean, that is a he's a he's a specimen of a man. Yeah, I would not be opposed to more Momoa. No, never. But yeah. boot, boot. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you about this. About the Targaryens? Uh, yeah. So in the show, the Targaryens do not have purple eyes. And that was because they didn't want to mess around with contacts or CG or things like that. Continuity. Uh, so, yeah, in the show, they don't have purple eyes. But in the real world of Westeros and Essos, quote Air unquote, quotes, yeah. yes, <laughs> in the books, they have purple eyes. It's a, a heretical thing. So, or not a heretical, but a hereditary? Hereditary thing. Thank you. So this is going to be... Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically <laughs> speaking. So this is going to be implanted. This episode is going to be implanted between Taxi Driver and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But at the time of recording, we've already done Taxi Driver, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Labyrinth. So The, the, the most anxiety-driving <laughs> film yet so that we've si- done. So since we've already done Labyrinth, and this is going to come out before, do you want to give a little tease a little tease for Labyrinth, like you don't don't give away perhaps how I felt about it. No, I'll just I'll just say that this was my most high stakes film in showing Zachary because if Zach hated it, mm-hmm. like just did not get into it, if it was lower than best in a show, I may have had <laughs> to stop recording the podcast. You know, it, it had to be at least higher than best in show, or I would have quit. Well, I guess that does reveal that it wasn't because here we are. Well, I just said it was better than Best in Show, and that's your low point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that earned all ones and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so I'll just say that of all the movies that are Allison, quintessentially Allison, Labyrinth is the top of that list. So while, you know, real speaking, maybe doesn't jive with everyone, and obviously it was a cinematic flop with a huge cult following. But for me, if you defined Allison in movies, that would be one of the, the five films that I would use to define myself. It's your style. It's your vibe. It's your ambiance. It's It true. is your je ne sais quoi. It's, it's kind of your I don't know what. Yeah. So in honor of Allison and her wedding, we're doing this fancy thing. 
I feel like that's a lot of honoring Allison by doing the Labyrinth episode and then recording this one. But this whole podcast is honoring your taste in movies. Nah, get out. <laughs> Basically. And, uh, you know, and I feel like all of our listeners, at least from the experience I've had speaking to people who listen, is I, I'm, I'm the jerk. who comes in and basically these are universally loved movies and i criticize them endlessly so uh you know the oh gosh now i'm gonna forget the word origins but sophomore it means like wise idiot because you're in that second year of education Mm -hmm. so maybe this is like your sophomore film studies class like not not to say that you're a wise idiot but you're investing yourself into this new curriculum well, I will. I'll, I'll own up to being a wise idiot. I won't even take wise. I'll just, you know, I'm fine being an idiot. You're not an idiot. Though. Well, thank you. But no, I am always open to learning more. But I feel like I've always been a fan of film. And I will say that, you know, for the podcast, you are the more dynamic speaker of the two of us. I feel like you bring a lot of levity and lightness and joy. I just, I'm more of an improver than you are. That's true. I'll improv when I'm ready. (laughs) When you're good and ready. In a few months, after having thought about it for a while. Yeah, I have to to ruminate on my (laughs) improvisational skills. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, um, again, if you're listening to this, it's the day before my wedding. and So everybody throw rice at your speakers right now. No, don't, don't, don't. At your speakers. It's dangerous for birds. Yeah, but they're not inside, are they? they? They could have a bird in their house. I suppose so. Do they have a bird in their car where they're listening to this while driving? Car birds. All right. Have so if you're <laughs> if you're in your car driving, start throwing some rice around just in celebration. But be careful of your electronics. Everybody knows that you carry around car rice. That's just an American thing. <laughs> in case you accidentally chop your phone into your Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and that it serves a dual purpose of being able to fix your electronics if they've been saturated by liquid. <laughs> So, in other news, is it true we're modifying our acts? Uh, no. Oh, okay. But because yes. I modified the <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're uh, going to modify the structure somewhat just to try to bring the length of the episodes down. So, we're going to cut out the trivia about the year that the movie came out and just keep it to trivia about the movie itself. Yes. So, of course, if there is trivia that is about the year that relates to the movie, that's totally acceptable. But we're just taking out that section and all of what had previously been Act 4, which was us just asking generic questions to each other about the movie and movie history and things like that. Mm-hmm. But those are things we can kind of cover in the episode proper. Yeah. So, you're not losing any content just streamlining if you felt there was any repetitiveness yeah all right so do we have any comments that we want to discuss on the from the rtr community face place on facebook which you should join definitely right now yeah i mean there's a lot of interesting conversations we just had one where someone posed a question about my stance on animal rights and how it relates to monty python and the holy grail so I listened to the A Fish Called Wanda episode again because I had to while I was editing it. Uh-huh. And I had and I'd listened to it for fun. Okay. <laughs> so I've, I had more time to ruminate on the discussion about your position on Ken from A Fish Called Wanda and his triple murdering of animals. It wasn't triple homicide. <laughs> it, it lacked intent. He didn't mean... He was trying to kill the old lady, which I granted is not a great defense of someone's moral character <laughs> he wasn't trying to kill the dog he was trying to kill the old lady i could see he tried to kill that old lady over her dogs oh fair enough fair <laughs> enough i'm with you so far but when you he fails to do it once and accidentally kills a dog uh-huh. and then on the second attempt there is also a two dogs there and then goes forward with it anyway kills the second dog he's just and bad then, at what he does and then on the third attempt but that goes beyond stupid 
That goes beyond stupid. He, on the third attempt, after previously accidentally killing two dogs, he goes to kill her again while she's with her last dog. Mm -hmm. And that's insanity. So I just got the impression that she just never did anything without her dogs. Very possibly, but sneak in while she's sleeping and poison her or something. Yeah, give the illusion of a heart attack. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so what is your opinion on the little bunny rabbit from the Holy Grail? Misunderstood. He's a misunderstood little bun bun? Mm Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Just doing what he was raised to do. And this is one of those cases where if you raise an animal mean, they're going to be mean. And that's not the animal's fault. Precisely. So there's your answer, Joshua, from the RTR community face place. Mm -hmm. He's a little misunderstood bun bun who just never had a chance. Just never had a chance. All right. So now we go on to uh, begging for five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts. So I I have... I have an idea. Right. Okay. So May is my birth month. Sure. How would you feel about making May our RTR five-star review-a-thon? You know, I really like this idea. Five stars for the fifth month. It makes sense. It makes too much sense, honestly. But also, this is another thing that's honoring you, I notice. I need to get better about it. Well, (laughs) make every review about Zachary. No, that's unnecessary. <laughs> I don't. Well, you can do that, but make it insulting or something. I, I don't. I don't like the compliments too much. I like the backwards kind of like how your brother just kind of did backhanded compliments mm-hmm. or backhanded insults. Yeah, that I. One it was backhanded. <laughs> some in some way it was backhanded. I'm not really sure which direction it was going. So my thought was, you know, anyone who liked, commented, or subscribed, and generally followed the rules that we set before would automatically be entered. But for every new five star review in May. You are going to be entered to win a DVD or Blu-ray copy of one of the films we've reviewed. It's likely going to be Waxworks <laughs> because everyone needs to experience that once. And uh, yeah. an autographed pair of 3D specs. I like the sound of this thing. I think that that's an awesome idea. Are you okay? You seem like you... I bit my lip. Oh, <laughs> you just all of a sudden stopped talking and I interjected. I thought maybe it was a burp, but then you continued to be uncomfortable. <laughs> and then I got scared for you. No, no, sorry. Go about your business. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like a good idea. So yeah, leave leave us a review and fr- I guess dated after uh, starting on May, May the 1st. May the 1st be with you. May the 1st be with you all the way to May the 31st be with you. Is the most important day. Yeah. So in that time, if you leave us a five-star review, you will be entered to win a fancy... In, in addition to us reading your review live on the podcast and saying whatever you type there, including insulting things about my face and personality, mm-hmm. you can uh, be entered to win this maybe waxwork, probably waxwork or another movie. And if you've already left us a review, one, thank you. We, we really appreciate and cherish it. But also, if you have a handle and we haven't been able to figure out who you are, Please identify yourself on the RTR community face place so we can know who to give these items to. We'll have to reach out to you via Facebook. Yeah, I think that when we declare the winner, we'll declare the winner on the podcast and you'll have to listen to hear your name. And then when you hear your name, go on the RTR community face place and direct message us. Yes. To make sure that it's fair and even, I'm going to record us doing a magic wheel app where we enter the names into so you can tell that we're doing this impartially. All right. Well, there you go. So leave us those five star reviews. We want to see a dramatic spike, a wave of love, if you will. I want to see a traumatic spike. Traumatic or dramatic? A traumatic spike. (laughs) So there be you go. The, be the trauma we need. <laughs> be, be our well-earned trauma. Exactly. 
exactly. There you go. All right, so let's move on to Act Two, Inside the Real. Now, Allison, what is the synopsis for this movie, Father of the Bride, 1991? With his oldest daughter's wedding approaching, a father finds himself reluctant to let go. Oh, that's true. That's true. I said that the, the synopsis for this was just toxic masculinity, the movie. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the entire thing was him just being kind of ridiculous. Well, that's Steve Martin. True. I like Steve Martin. Yeah, because... Mm. It so. seemed like there was a, a clause to that, didn't it? Yeah. I'm looking for the, the signs of Zach's nostril flares. He's trying to open his mouth, hang out there, just... <laughs> he's trying to give nothing away. He's found a frozen face. <laughs> I found a frozen face in the garbage. <laughs> and I put it in front of mine. I, I really wish he would stop killing people and putting their frozen faces in the trash. Well, but if you stop analyzing me, maybe I will. <laughs> So my bad synopsis, weddings can be cripplingly expensive and there are so many rules that you can't seem to prepare for. So I do want to, as we watch this movie, I want to go through with you like the the comparison between their costs and your costs. Theirs were higher. Yes. Well, especially for $1991. Yes. So trivia for the film. Trivs. Let's get to the trivs. I've actually never seen the original it is on my list. That is something that is available to our HBO users. The original is, not the 1991 one? Right, uh, gotcha. the, the 1950s one. Uh, I looked everywhere for 1991. Oh, also, upsetting. It's like after we paid for the rental of Labyrinth, it became available in HBO Go. So I know. I feel like they listened to the podcast and knew we were about to do that. So maybe they were trying to be helpful because we haven't put the episode out. Yeah, but then how would they know about it? Because they didn't hear us talk about the intro to it yet because we haven't released. We, we've been setting, I feel like we've been setting it up for a while. They knew it was coming. Yeah, they knew it was coming. What about you? Trivia? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for a trivia from me? Yes. I, uh, I read a lot of trivia for this. Well, I say a lot. All the, I read all the trivia that I could find for this. Literally not one was interesting, so I, I, I don't have much to say here. Uh-oh. That's not good. Uh. All, all the trivia I read was like, hey, these two guys had been in a movie with this director before. Hey, these two actors had worked together on this other thing before. That's all I was able to find. There was nothing interesting about this movie. The production of, that is. Well, I got some trivia, so don't you worry. Okay, you're going to have to pick up this uh, this, this thing because I've let us down. You really have. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Cheesy peasy. Well, it was actually my trivia source that let us down, I think. No, that, that could be. And I don't even have any matter of facts. Would he have much to say about this movie? No. Now, I don't wish to be insulting about this movie, but part of the reason I feel like I wasn't able to find good trivia is because this is not exactly like... Highbrow so- cinema. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the production was not complex, I feel. Yeah. So in this film, to answer your question, yeah, I don't think Matt would have much to say about this one. He may, of the 1950s version, I didn't ask, so that's on me. I just also didn't anticipate him having much to say. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in an unusual move, Steve Martin casting occurred before the screenplay was even written for this film. And so it was said from one of the directors, Nancy Myers, that it's a gift because you know you're writing for Steve Martin, so you know you can be funny and you can be loose with what you're writing and you can do all these twists and turns in the scene and Steve Martin will just pick it up. 
It's a, yeah, certainly a blessing. If you can get a Steve Martin for your film, you know. Then do. Yeah, capture that fella. And I will agree that it, it felt like most of the jokes reached their highest level simply because of his performance. Mm-hmm. Either him or Martin Short. So one of the yeah. Martins carried the... Yeah, there was a double Martin production. Yeah. Which, you know, the only other double Martin that I think I rate higher is The Three Amigos. And that's also Chevy Chase does a phenomenal job. Yeah, so it was also a little bit of the Chevs bringing the heat. Yeah, it was a, you know, just a trifecta. It's been a long time since I've seen that. I I don't remember much from it. It, I remember uh, them sitting on their horses. Yeah, and doing the Macarena. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A little pelvic thrust. Yeah. That was just such a cute dumb movie i love the scene with plethora the head bad guy asks if there's a plethora of party gifts for him and the guy's like doesn't know what he's talking about one of the just criminal he's like uh yes you have a plethora he's like now can you tell me what is a plethora and he's like no he's like because i would hate to think you were telling me i have a plethora of something only to find out you didn't know what a plethora was. <laughs> if you had to guess what a plethora was, if it wasn't what you think it is, mm-hmm. and it's some entity, what would you think it was? I would think it's a bird. Dinosaur. Dinosaur? <laughs> some kind of dinosaur. A plethora. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Or like uh, Godzilla. Oh no, it's plethora. Plethora. <laughs> 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 it's Mothra's twin and he's got five heads. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> Anywho, all right, so yeah, what's your next triv? Because I, I, again, have nothing. Okay. They didn't want to hire Diane Keaton for the role. So the father of the bride was the second time that Diane Keaton had worked with directors Meyer and Shire. The first time was in 1987's Baby Boom, and Myers would go on to direct Keaton in 2003, Something's Gotta Give. So Disney Studios' Jeffrey Katzenberg at the time didn't want to work with Diane Keaton and apparently specifically said, you know, because she had been in so many films that bombed before this that didn't want anything to do with them. Basically, Diane had Charles and Nancy, the two directors, support to get them chosen. So in other trivia, Martin Short's character of Frank Egelhofer. What um, a great last name, Egelhofer. Egelhofer. It's very close to like, you know, oh gosh, his name just popped out of my head, this Baywatch. Oh, ha, uh, uh, ha. <laughs> <laughs> See, it just jumped out of your head too. Because, uh, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of the song from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Zadu Hoffelshire. <laughs> Hoffman, hot body. Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. There you go. Whew. That took far too long for people doing a <laughs> review podcast of cinema. <laughs> So the character is based on the over-the-top real-life wedding planner, Kevin Lee, who actually assisted in weddings such as both of Brad Pitt's weddings to Jennifer (laughs) Aniston and then also to Angelina Jolie. So that's why he would be well-known to the industry, such that he could be skewered in in a parody. Yes. Gotcha. Interesting. I actually have a really funny clip of Kevin Lee talking about planning the wedding. Kevin, I I would imagine you would love to have the opportunity to do yet another Brad Pitt wedding. Absolutely. It's going to be the dream wedding ever. First wedding was just incredible, I'm sure, but Angelina has her own, you know, beautiful, you know, ideas and Brad Pitt himself is this incredible person. Will you pick up the phone to call him to, to see I if he's interested? To. Definitely. And here's my question, though. You've done so many celebrity weddings, yes, correct? I have. Is it kind of bad luck to bring in the same people to do the second wedding for a different bride? I don't think so. This is Hollywood here. You're talking about this, all these celebrities. Yeah. You know, their weddings last about you know, two, three years, but they're, they've been <laughs> the in marriages. Yeah, I feel I like that's kind of a brutal thing to say of your clientele. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but good for him. 
seven years. It keeps so. business good for you if you do a good job the first Definitely. time. So he actually was the wedding planner for both of the directors, and that's how they got the idea for this Franck character. And so Martin Short actually spent some time hanging out with Kevin Lee to pick up some of his language and skills. You know, it's not a direct representation, but I could see him not only in Franck, but Franck's assistant, played by B.D. Wong. So the Franck in the movie, (laughs) I could not place what his accent was supposed to be. So I think Martin Short is very much like Tim Curry, where they have two accents that they kind of do, like their normal kind of Americanized English accent or Canadian, because Martin Short is Canadian as well. Tim Curry, very famously, he has two accents, his British accent, and then everything else that falls into this kind of lump villainous, vaguely Russian accent. (laughs) Martin Short, very similar, he has two accents. He has Martin Short, and then he has this vaguely unintelligible other accent. I, it was I was getting French, Hungarian, Italian. At one point he said dare. So it, uh, German yeah. apparently also. And... Or when he was doing the the chicken click 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 so many things. But like, if you watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and you get to the Martin Short character, who's this plastic surgeon, very similar sounding appearance, completely different, but sounding to Frank. Mm, interesting. I don't think you're supposed to like. It was just so funny to me to see everyone kind of just like nodding, like they understood what he was saying, yeah. like. How do you hold it together? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll notice, I think, that uh, in many of those cases where he was talking absolute gibberish Mm -hmm. and Steve Martin was supposed to be looking at him with incredulity, incomprehension. I really hope they didn't prepare him for that. Well, they're probably a good duo, so they probably practiced together. But no, it it usually just showed him uh, those two and then it would cut away to other people who would nod seriously. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, my favorite thing of his was Welcome to the nineties, Mr. <laughs> my favorite thing of his that he said that I, I may have time stamped was him going Plaja to match you. <laughs> <laughs> was, what accent is that? Plaja to match you. I just like when he's going through the dates and he's just like, so that doesn't bother me so much. But <laughs> I kind of like that, uh, you know, in, in especially in this modern era where making fun of somebody's accent could be construed as offensive. Who knows who he's making fun of? He's making yeah. fun of nobody. He's, and everyone. <laughs> We're both all humored and offended. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so my next trivia is. Still nothing? Uh, nothing, yeah, so go ahead. Okay, uh, so according to BeFrugal.com, they broke down the cost of this actual wedding, which I thought was really interesting. So I did the math myself Ooh. in the, the per-person cost that he was discussing. If all 572 people were supposed to have come, was going to amount to $143,000. Yep. And that was just for the people coming. But that I don't think all of those people ended up coming because they cut people, so that's not actually the cost. Yeah, so the dress that Annie was wearing, they actually evaluated the cost of what a gown like that would be. You know, this is a designer gown. It would have been a $68,000 dress. The bridesmaid dresses were $10,000 for all of her bridesmaids. The Flying the Nine Relatives from Copenhagen, eight and one plus size lady, uh, would have been uh, $10,323. So when you look at those costs, and that's not including, you know, the, the flowers that's not including the church or the donation that you make so churches typically don't charge for weddings but you give a donation to the church and there's a, a you gotta grease the palms yeah exactly um or what what the what, what did i say what the whistle 
I said like wet wet your pockets or something like that yeah. the other day. <laughs> I can't remember what yeah. I said. The the median cost of the average American wedding is fifteen thousand dollars today. So fifteen thousand dollars today. So that's not even the cost of Annie's dress. Actually, I think Josh looked up these. I was watching with Josh. I think he looked up for Maryland specifically. He said the average wedding was 30000 Yeah, so I would never pay what Andy paid for her wedding. I mean, my guest list, unfortunately, had to be really extensively chopped due to COVID and because we wanted it to be as safe as possible. Yeah, and you could chop out undesirables without appearing mean. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun to be like, nope. Sorry, COVID. You just didn't make the cut. Uh, yeah, just, COVID. I, no, it's not that you didn't make the cut. It's that COVID made me make deep cuts. Yeah, COVID cut this. COVID cut you, really. Yeah. It wasn't me. Yeah. Anyway, so my next trivia is... Um, Still nothing? Yeah, nothing. Go ahead. So are you aware of country singer star Brad Paisley? You did some air quotes. Hey, is that music? indicating that he's not a star or that he's not country music? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I am to, aware of his name. So for me, I'm not a country music fan, but I know Brad Paisley's name. Yes. And I know that I, I read that she got married to him. Yes. And I deemed that, uh, I don't care. Well, he fell in love with her from watching the film and he had some failed relationships and he decided after watching the second Father of the Bride film to actually seek out and find the the actress who plays Annie and they fell in Ew. love and they actually got married. That's weird though, like targeting someone that you saw in a movie. Yeah, he was quoted saying, hang on. Um, Especially years later, I, I presume, because seeing her when she was much younger and yeah. thirsting after her such that you track her down. That's just, that's actually kind of weird. I don't know how romantic that is. Well, they got, they got married in 2003, so yeah, that would have been 11, 12 years after the yeah. films came out. I had a quote from him about it. She seemed like a great girl, smart and funny and all those things that are so very hard to find. Yeah, she was reading from a script. <laughs> well, I, it worked for them because they're still together now. And they <laughs> are have, they? Oh, that's yeah. good. I thought they got divorced for some reason. No, and they have two sons together, William Huckleberry and Jasper Warren. Those are very country names. William Huckleberry Paisley. That's so redneck sounding. <laughs> Sorry to the rednecks out there. He was born I... on a truck with a truck. <laughs> <laughs> with a Bud Light in his hand, wearing some ripped up jeans, <laughs> making the noise of a tractor. You sound very judgmental. I am. I'm sorry. Uh, I've got family down there. I don't judge. I love. But you you got to take your, your ribs. I You know, I make fun of uh, Boston people all the time. That's my go-to stupid accent. Your cousin from Boston. Boston. <laughs> you got you to gotta take your licks. You know, we from uh, the Baltimore area. What are we? Hans. Yeah, Han. Oh, my God. How disgusting is that accent? Drink your water. Water. Go to, go to the library. Washing machine. Oh, my Washing. God. I'm from Washington, D.C. By the way, I so yeah, that's a disgusting accent. So you know, everywhere can be made fun of, but uh, nowhere is safe. Nowhere is safe from me. But what accent do I have? What would you say my accent is? I don't think I have an accent, really. Like, and every I know everyone's got an accent, but mine's generic. Mine's yeah, not from anywhere. Generic American. I've been told yeah. I have an accent from people, which is weird to me because I also don't think I do. Like they. Let me I've, listen. Speak. I've had people uh, ask me if I have like was overseas or in Europe before for a time that may have affected the way I speak, and part of it I think may have to do with my word choice versus my actual inflection or tone. I would say that you were a Californian based on your speech. 
kind of valley-ish, not like all the way with the, the question marks at the end we're, of everything. We're back to the Dr. Frank discussion. <laughs> Inflection. <laughs> but I, I don't think I sound like I'm from anywhere in particular. You're from everywhere and nowhere. Just I mean, obviously American, but like I don't regionally, I don't think that there's any specific region that I sound like I'm from. No. And you know, what's funny is different people in the state of Maryland will have different, like there's some people with more like of a Southern draw, like uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, like um, our friend, Tony Belanti. And my dad, he says Tuesday, Friday, Friday, Tuesday. Well, my dad is from the South. How does your dad say theater? Does he say theater? Yes. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the, I have one more bit of trivia. Well, let me do mine first. So my neck, oh, I I don't have any. Go ahead. (laughs) Steve Martin will call this a perfect story about overreacting to nothing. Yes. Well, I tend to think there's movie families and then there's families, Martin told the morning call where he did this interview. What I mean is I'm not demeaning the movie at all. It's kind of a wish family. It's like the perfect statement of a beautiful problem. Your daughter's getting married, he says. Emotions are swelled from mundanity of Getting married, it's a perfect story because of what happens is so minor, and yet the emotions are so big. It's like the birth of a baby. It's so common, happening all the time, and yet it's one of the most powerful, large things that can happen to you. Speaking of, I advertised for us unknowingly this. uh, Yes, do tell about this story. So I went to pick up my wedding band with Mark because it was finally ready at the jeweler. And the guy asked for my name. And I was like, Allison Krauss. And he's like, aren't you famous? And I was like, yeah, for my podcast. So I was able to do a little plug for the RTR. So you, uh, you said yes for the podcast. Did he say, ooh, what podcast? No, I, I think he was trying to be cute. Did you give him the name of the podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So we'll see if we get a new listener. If so, hello, Mr. Smythe Jeweler Guy. <laughs> Smythe Jeweler Guy. You don't remember his name? Just Guy? It's... I can pull it up on the receipt. It's unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So let's move on to Act Three, movie. <laughs> the analysis of the film. Uh, so you, since we didn't do a movie prior to this, we haven't established what your nostalgia rating is and what you think my predicted rating will be. So before rewatching the film, I gave us those ratings. So I said my nostalgia rating was a seven out of ten. Okay. When was the first time you saw this, by the way? When I was a kid. I think I was probably five or six and I didn't understand a lot of it. But it's enough to have given you rose-tinted reels about it. Oh, yeah. spectacles, I should say. Gotcha. Okay. And my real rating is a five out of ten. Okay. And what do you think I'll think? So I gave you a predicted heart rating of a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. And the reason is because I thought you would drive with the Martins, Steve, yes. Steve Martin, and then Martin Short. All right. Well, let's let's be about the business of finding out if you are correct. Oh, I also said real was 5 out of 10. Uh, Just kind of middle of the line. Uh, not, not bad. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <Tim> Allen, <laughs> what, how did you get here? <laughs> Jumped in through the window. <laughs> you re- know, you know, yeah, Frankie it's... the sensor left an opening for a Tim Allen approach. I know, right? He broke the window jumping out, and now Tim Allen can just jump in whenever he wants. Yeah, it's got to be disruptive. <laughs> this neighborhood's to too busy. In- <laughs> do some home improvements. <laughs> I, I need that, actually. I've, I've got like a leaky roof over there. <sighs> got some rotting wood on the door frame. Mm thing needs work anyway all right so let's uh let's let's get into the movie my first timestamp is the opening dialogue touchstone pictures presents father of the bride so i associate that opening with hook i associate that opening with 
Nightmare Before Christmas. But I think they also did Hocus Pocus, right? Does the opening make you want some bubbly? Just a bit of bubbly. No, I don't really like the bubbly. Well, uh, you better get used to it. Are you serving bubbly at your thing? At your uh, There's uh, a soiree? champagne toast. Yeah, but does it have to be champagne? Excuse me, can I have... <laughs> I would like a Shirley Temple, please. I, I don't actually like this stuff. Oh, Alison had a nightmare where I sloshed her with red wine. Can I have a champagne flute of red wine to slash upon the bride? I have to speak animatedly. <laughs> Which you also won't get until later episodes when I talk about this. That's right. When did we talk about that? Was I think that Labyrinth. Labyrinth, yeah, yeah, I think so. Something to look forward to. Yes. Carol Baum. Baum. All right, come on now. I used to think a wedding was a simple affair. Did you know? Boy and girl meet, they fall in love. Or boy and boy, or girl and girl. Don't be a regressive asshole. I was wrong. That's getting married. A wedding is an entirely different proposition. I know. Mm -hmm. I've just been through one. Not my own. My daughter's. Annie Banks McKinsey. That's her married name. Mackenzie. I'll be honest with you. When I bought this house 17 years ago, it cost less than this blessed event in which Annie Banks became Annie Banks Mackenzie. Okay, so two things. One, come back to the cost that he just spoke about. But two, just the inner workings. When you, be, when you go through the ceremony, he says her married name is now Annie Mackenzie, whatever. Mm -hmm. Legally speaking, it isn't yet, right? Or does the, the preacher man have the power of name change? So in the eyes of the state and the government, not yet. You're not the different person. But a lot of state jurisdictions will tell you to, as soon as possible, start using your new name on as many things as possible so it kind of reflects more accurately. I, guess that, and I guess that makes sense. Although, if, if you give, especially a bank, a name that's not your legal name, is that legal? What do you mean? So if you if you fill out documents or open an account using Allison Krauss before your legal name is Allison Krauss, is that legal? No. Because, well, and they would also verify that. Right. That's what I would think. Yeah. So like I, I had pre-existing bank accounts before I got married to Mark that I had to add my new last name to. Right. Okay. So the second thing was him saying that the cost of the wedding was more. We can add up all those projected costs from before. But he said that the cost of the wedding was more than his house. Mm-hmm. First of all, how common is that, especially seeing as how he's got a really nice house? So a lot of factors could play into that. The cost of housing in that particular neighborhood when they built the house, you know, that could have dramatically spiked. I know in California, specifically where they live, there was a huge housing boom and the, the cost of living in California just shot up. So the houses there are just prohibitively expensive. So. Yeah. I, I could see where it was cheaper when they bought the house and then the value of the house grew exponentially. So I don't know exactly where in California they are. Does it say? So looking online, they live in Pasadena. That's not the name of the town that we know from the film, but that's where this house is, the actual house. Right. And, and he, they went to their house and they were like, oh my God, this house is so big. Like, I don't know what the upstairs and stuff like that, but he was like, you could fit my entire house in this foyer. Like mm -hmm. the foyer is the same size as yours. <laughs> the camera's up higher, but 
the foyer is the same size. Oh, I just like the, sorry, the second door in the lift, seventh. Seventh. Seventh? Seventh. Yeah. Seventh? <laughs> seventh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm told that one day I'll look back on all of this with great affection and nostalgia. I hope so. Which seems to be a weird attitude for him because this is at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. which, at which point he was actually happy with the way things happened. Yeah, he was able to kind of reconnect with his daughter at the very end. So I feel like this is actually kind of a writing problem. It's a little bit of a misdirect. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cheating because he seems like he's still a little bit annoyed. Has, yeah, yeah, has a chip on his shoulder about it, which chronologically at this point he wouldn't. But anyway. You fathers will understand. You have a little girl, an adorable little girl who looks up to you and adores you in a way you could never have imagined. I remember how her little hand used to fit inside mine, how she used to love to sit on my lap and lean her head against my chest. She said I was her hero. Then the day comes when she wants to get her ears pierced and wants you to drop her off a block before the movie theater. Next thing you know, she's wearing eyeshadow and high heels. From that moment on, you're in a constant state of panic. You worry about her going out with the wrong kind of guys, the kind of guys who only want one thing. And you know exactly what that one thing is because it's the same thing you wanted when you were their age. Then she gets a little older and you quit worrying about her meeting the wrong guy and you worry about her meeting the right guy. And that's the biggest fear of all because then you lose her. He says when she meets the right guy, quote unquote, then you lose her. I don't understand that frame of mind. Like, what do you mean you're losing her? You're never going to see her again? Well, I think it's signaling kind of an older way of thinking about it. You know, this is when she's moving out of the house and just kind of in this kind of old view, you're not really an adult until you do these things. And so, you know, her moving out, moving in with this guy and starting their own family, that to him meant signifying that he's losing her because now there's this other guy who she's going to lean on and ask for things from. I I mean, it's kind of emotion that I can't really tap into because I moved out of my parents' house before I was married. Well, yeah. And I feel like, I don't know if most, but surely many women do. And I think that that's more of a a modern perspective. So I, I feel like in the early 90s, we were moving towards that, but it may have not been as commonplace. I don't know. Because, I mean, in a way... my mom did, and my mom was a teenager in, I think, the 80s? I mean, it's definitely more of an old school way of looking at things. Yeah, it's and it seems more old school than should have been happening in the 90s. And this was premised off a 1950s movie. And one of the things that Steve Martin was kind of quoted saying is that it is a snapshot in time of this kind of nuclear family dynamic. And so, like, I think it is tapping into kind of a Norman Rockwell perspective of what a family, quote unquote, should be. Right. Annie had never been that far away from home and she was due back any minute. I couldn't wait to see the kid. She My daughter been studying abroad, been flying for 11 hours. I'm not wild about her being in the air. You have kids. Studying abroad or two. Huh. Juan, you huh. understand. It's, it's better when they're on the ground. I've always been a concerned parent. I'm big on car seats, seat belts, bedtimes, curfews, calling when you get somewhere, never running with a sharp object. 
Hi, George. What can I say? I'm a father. Worrying comes with the territory. So that one little speech there about being invested in rules and bedtimes, that made me just tap into my dad. Mm -hmm. He reminds me in this way so much of my dad. Like, you know, we were raised to say yes, sir, no, sir, thank you. You know, See, that's a bit out of, con- not out of control, but it's it's unusual, the yes or no sir thing. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank yeah. you. Like, we were raised to be polite if we answered the phone, you know, it was, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's not unusual, but the yes or no sir thing is the re- for um, your parents. Rockland residence, Allison speaking. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that was pretty common. I don't know if it still is, because usually people don't have home phones anymore. That's true. <laughs> so no, you know I, you know who, who you're calling and and who's calling you? Yeah. The only problem is my first day in my real desk job kind of situation, I did accidentally answer the phone wrong because <laughs> I was so <laughs> programmed and I was nervous. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, first day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that I, yeah, being nice to people and, and such is, is good. But, yeah, saying yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am to your parents is kind of weird. Oh, no. we it, I wasn't expected to say it to them. Like, if I went to dinner at your place, yeah. I would be expected to say that to your parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. That Well, that makes sense. I thought you were saying you said that to your parents. Now, I do reference my dad as sir. Like, I, I, I'm not just saying dad or daddy. It's always sir. <laughs> you don't say dad? Not, I mean, I'll say like, hi, dad, but it's usually if I reference him, it's sir. So, and that, that's kind of a from his army day kind of. So if you're like, hey, pass the ketchup, you'd say, hey, sir, pass the ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> you would? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a nod to his kind of military. Well, so, but but that's always. You you will never say, hey, dad, pass the ketchup. Oh, no, I'll call him dad. I'll, I'll occasionally, you know, like, hey, dad, pass the ketchup. But it's like if he calls me and I answer the phone, sir. Uh-huh. Okay. It's not a derogatory or offensive thing. It's just Now a- what about for your mom? Now I know I don't know how it is now, but I know for the longest time, even when I was in ROTC, that when you had a female superior, you still called her sir. Do you did you do you call your mom sir? No, mom was mom. Mom was the less sir. respect for your mom. I I find that curious. It's a, more of a kinship, I guess. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh mom has just always been mom and I think part of that is her insistence on being just that nurturing mom type. Gotcha. Well, so what he said there at the end of that clip was, I worry, I'm a father, it comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's kind of a contradictory stereotype going on here because usually you'll find that the woman or the mom is the worrier and the dad's like a laid back or detached sort of person. But now he's saying that the stereotype is that he's a dad, so he's a worrier. You know, part of it, I, I do think some dads are kind of, they may not call it anxiety, but there is an anxiousness to behavior, especially Mr. Banks's behavior here. Right. And your and your dad was certainly the, the more assertive kind of type A person, right? Type A person. But with that control, I think there stems a little bit of uh, anxiety. <laughs> sure. No, but my point is that people come up with stereotypes about men and women, like women multitask or whatever. And I just feel like there you can find kind of contradictory stereotypes on both sides. Oh, yeah. So what's the point of the stereotype? Humor. Oh. <laughs> Gee. Gee. Anyway, that's all I had to say. I wanted to complain about how silly stereotypes were. Yeah. Is Nina picking her up at the airport? Yeah. And you're yeah. going to meet him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going home right now. I need you to Oh. Here. And sign this. Okay. I also would like to comment on just the level of bagginess of his clothing. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. How does he not trip over it? And a business denim. I left work early because I had a little yeah. something to pick up for Annie's homecoming. 
We live in a small town in Southern California called San Marino. There you go. I love this town, and not just because it's the kind of place where people still smile at each other, Bye. but because it hasn't changed much in the past. Is he just wearing a Make America Great Again hat? This is well before. I think he's a Trump supporter. Gross. Look at that. How dare you? I'm going to go back. Watch this. We live in a small town in Southern California called San Marino. I love this town, and not just because it's the kind of place where people still smile. Make America great again. It, it says that right on his hat. It does not. I can't believe it's, this. It, it has a white logo. I think it is a shoe company. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? So Steve Martin is a Trump-supporting Nazi. Okay, here we go. Libel. Because it hasn't changed much. Libel. It's not liable if it's satire. I think, Can according we get to my that lawyer. On a shirt? <laughs> it's not liable if it's our tongue. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to my lawyer about it. Last 25 years. And since I'm not a guy who's big on change, this town fits me like a glove. So that's kind of just. You just want to see his hat? No. it's. I just wanted to talk about kind of that very controlled environment. So he's very contented because everything is as it should be. Everything is known and familiar to him. And so I think that's the catalyst for his implosion. Yeah, it's it's the uh, the well-known white America. He just he really likes it. Now, I know it's not a racial thing when he's saying, but it, that is kind of what's going on. But I will say that this is a sweet neighborhood. Honestly, it's beautiful. The if, trees. If I could choose a neighborhood, like if I were going to do a suburban neighborhood, it would be a neighborhood like this. Not just because really cool tree cover and all that, but big sidewalks that you can run on, take a dog on. You're not worried about your kid getting hit by a car when they're playing on their bike? Yeah, I need to find a kid first and then I'll be worried about them. Yeah. I'm Excuse a dad. Me, kid, it's what I do. Kid, can I fret about you? <laughs> Excuse me, small child. Do you mind if I fret about you? Yes. No, I'm so concerned about that answer. <laughs> Timmy, little Timmy, what are you doing? Get out of the well. <laughs> You're not my dad. I'm going to stay in this well. <laughs> Shut up, little Timmy. You're going to do what I say. <laughs> Did you just step on little Timmy? <laughs> or you'll get the hose again. <laughs> anyway, all right, so. Step out of line the fridge for me. Sure. Dad, wait. Um, I don't know. You don't want to see Paul sign? No, I, I do. It's just. Um, what is it? Well, honey, is something going on? Yes. Yeah, it is, Mom. Uh, God, this is a hard thing to tell parents, especially when they're my parents. Oh, God. Honey, just say it. What's the big deal? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I met somebody in Rome. Also, is it kind of an old school thing that she's dressed up like this for dinner? Or does she come from somewhere? I can't remember. She just got back from Italy. So she dressed this up like This was her that, airplane attire. Which honestly, just how uncomfortable would that be? Like that her skirt is very 90s short skirt. And so like it just seems like it'd be really uncomfortable to. What do they call those skirts? Is it a, pen mini? a pencil skirt? Mini skirt. Mini skirt. Yeah. A pencil skirt is like a very form fitted knee length skirt so okay. she's wearing a dress she's wearing they call it i think a baby doll style dress yeah. also her brother is a culkin yeah he's kevin kieran culkin yeah he's in the show succession that i watch oh. plays a, a nut job a nut job billionaire baby person a nut job culkin you don't say a nut <laughs> i know you can't believe it it's hard to believe but he's a nut job culkin um he's an american uh, he's from L.A., actually, and um, his name's Brian McKenzie, and he's this completely wonderful, wonderful, amazing man. And, well, we, we started seeing each other a lot, and um, 
we fell in love. <laughs> it actually happened. Look at his face. <laughs> so I, I, this is... It, it's a subtle change. It's a subtle it is the, His facial acting in this movie was very good. But it's kind of a weird comparison to make. But I think Steve Martin, especially in certain angles, but generally, I think, looks like Harrison Ford. I could see it. Yeah. And uh, we've decided to get married, which means that what? I'm engaged. <laughs> I'm engaged. I'm getting married. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> just pulled the slow you. chew of his face. I just I love the, the closing of the eyes. Just kind of building in energy. Like, yeah, just just preparing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so oh my, and that's your engagement ring, huh? Yes, yes. Lemons. We got it at a flea market. But why is he already upset? Like I know, like this is just going to be the the thing we beat to death. But like he's just an old school guy who didn't really want her to get married ever. Mm-hmm. Outside of Rome, the guy we bought it from said it was at least a hundred years old. Wow. <laughs> so, Dad, stop it. Say something. I love this so much. I'm sorry, what did you say? Dad, I met a man in Rome, and he's wonderful and brilliant, and we're getting married. <laughs> we're getting married. Mom, what's he doing? George. He's having an episode. Someone George. snap at him. What is it? Oh, well, this is, this, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you're, you're, you're too young to get married. Too young, Dad. I'm 22. If I'm not mistaken, that's that's a year older than Mom was when you guys got married. That is absolutely not true. Oh no, you you're absolutely wrong. You were this age when I married you? No, I was younger. I was this age when she was born. That 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 doesn't matter. Times have changed. Your mother was mature and uh, 22. I like the hand she had giant titties, so she could get married. Yeah, he just kind of did the like. Breasts as a sign of maturity <laughs> <laughs> gesture. Uh, was your father as uh, weird about you getting married as George here is? Not with me. So I think they just never thought it was going to happen for me. So they weren't as worried. Oh. My, my parents didn't have a lot of hope in my romantic prospects. <laughs> so what about your sister? Yeah, I think he was a little more concerned with Katie. And that's just, you know, that was his first daughter. And he definitely got, when he was giving the speech at the wedding, he got emotional. Mm-hmm. I think with me, it, we have a very different relationship. And I know that Mark asked my dad for my hand before he proposed to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in that way, dad may have been more prepared. Did Katie's lover in the nighttime not ask? So I think he did, but my dad didn't understand that that's what the direction of the conversation was going to be. Like, I don't think it resonated. So it started out with golf, and then he was like, so anyway, I'm going to marry your daughter. You all right with that? I don't think it started with golf, because my dad is not a golf guy. So maybe that's why he was uncomfortable with it. Yeah, he's like, huh, you wanted to talk to me about drivers? <laughs> <laughs> and putters? And yeah, no, I think, I think Vince asked my dad for Katie's hand, but I, I think it just, uh, something in the conversation may have gotten lost in translation. So when Katie announced her engagement. He was uh, still, con- he was blindsided by that? Just, I, I think he was just more frazzled, and it, it just could have been because, you know, she was the firstborn, and Katie is super headstrong. And I think, I think my dad, in the same way Banks and Annie are very similar, I think my dad and Katie are very similar in a lot of ways. So he liked her a lot. Yeah, he was a fan. With me, he's just like, "Good, you're his problem now." 
No. He told me he never worried about me because if they met my standards, they're going to have no problem meeting his because I've just been very selective with. Yeah. All right. I mean, you've known me in all of my dating years. Yeah, well, you've dated some real winners in the past. No, they were not. Uh, what was it? Was it Steve? Steve, Steve was. Yeah. He was the flag bearer for your your most interesting, perhaps. Self proclaimed. Self. <laughs> he certainly did proclaim it of himself constantly. Yeah. Talked my ear off about all the amazing things he could do. Well, he's the most stable genius. Did he say that? He didn't say stable. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to spend a few days with Annie. Oh boy, we just fell in love with her immediately. Isn't she great? <laughs> yes, we just couldn't be happier about this. How did you uh, take the news, George? Me? Uh, truthfully, I-, I was a little surprised. I was shocked. So was mm. I. After all, they'd only known each other a few months. Exactly, and Annie's just finishing up school. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, believe me, I tossed and turned over this one, but the bottom line is they're in love. They're over 21, and... Whether they're rushing into this or not, maybe not for us to say. <laughs> right. Not for us to say. We're only their parents. She's 22, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not for you to say. Well, yes, but as parents, I think they, they find they have a say whether it's listened to or adhered to. That's a different story. Well, a homeless person has that also. Well, yeah, I think you'll find that you have more of an obligation to listen to your parents whether or not you agree with them than you do a homeless person. Yeah, well, you you would weigh the opinions of your father perhaps more than you would a, a random homeless person. But he doesn't have the definitive say, and I think that's what he means. Yes, yeah. yeah. I was about to say these very words out loud when he hit me with... Yeah, sooner or later you just have to let your kids go and hope you brought them up right. George? Nina? Darling? This guy was making a little too much sense for me. Suddenly, my shirt collar felt like it was starting to strangle me. To George and Nina. And don't do the top button thing. <laughs> and a future of wonderful memories. First, the wedding of our children. And the happiness we'll share watching their lives. Then, sharing the joy <laughs> of our grandchildren together. Oh, I, did we already miss him spitting out the drink? Yeah. That and, made and me laugh. Keaton looking at him. <laughs> that made me laugh the first time. Okay. He so, takes a drink of the... Two, 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 two. <laughs> <laughs> and then the speech keeps going and he somehow to take a zip. Uh, yep, no. not now. <laughs> Birthday parties. Graduation. Now I knew where they got the expression, like father, like son. Although I think I his also... son's speech was a little bit better than his. That was, I think, supposed to be emotional. And, and it just seemed a bit awkward, like he trailed off at the end. Well, I think this is kind of, as you said, a toxic kind of male behavior of just kind of swallowing your emotion to not let them show. I think what was supposed to be happening was it kind of like that. I don't think he was trying to hide his emotions. I think he was just getting choked up. Yeah, literally. He was like, <laughs> Knew I needed some air. Can you tell me where the restroom is? Oh, actually, the one down here is a mess for remodeling. Uh, why don't you try the one at the top of the stairs? It's the seventh door on the left. Second? Seventh. Seventh. <laughs> Seventh. Okay, that, that was all I had. <laughs> well, okay, so while we're in the area, he starts snooping around in their medicine cabinet and then rips off part of the mirror and then puts it back on. Later in the movie, you get the, what's his name, Ben? Mm-hmm. Ben telling the what she thought was a lie about him stealing stuff off the desk and snooping around and going in the pool and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he, he mentions that he broke their mirror. How did he know that? Maybe it didn't set right and fell later when they were looking at it. Why would he have thought that that was his fault? I, I'm not sure. 
He wasn't even around for this. Well, the the parents, they talked about how he was when they had this first meeting and maybe they noticed that things that were kind of wrong. I mean, th- things were a little weird. You know, he jumped into the pool, the bank book. And so I assume they would have known, the, the other parents would have known that he jumped into the pool because he was wet and such. So there's a, some amount that they would have known. But why the son would have conjectured that he broke their mirror when it wasn't broken when he left the room and nobody saw him do that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Suspend your disbelief. I cannot. So this is just a fantasy that I think my dad would have had about our wedding, if possible. They did want us to have a backyard wedding. What kind of wedding you want? Well, we've talked about it. Yes, and what do you think? Big, small, well, it can't be too big. We don't have that many friends. <laughs> so we're talking in the uh, small vicinity then. Well, no, she didn't say small. She said not too big. Yeah, but nothing fancy or overblown, right? Right. Right. So kind of the less is more theory, huh? Basically. Well, the reason I'm asking all these questions is I have a great idea where we can have this lovely, not small, but not too big wedding. I'm going to take you to a biker bar. Mm-hmm. Where? At our favorite restaurant. The place we've been eating at for 15 years. The best. The steak pit. <laughs> Dad, get serious. I don't think about the word pit on a wedding invitation, George. <laughs> really, Dad? A, a rib joint with sawdust on the floor? <laughs> Why did he call him George? I just noticed that. Oh, because uh, Annie's she's not been using Dad as much as she's been using their names. No offense. So just well, excuse off me, what, what did you have in mind? The Beverly Hills Hotel? No. Actually, what I'd like is to have my wedding in a church and have the reception here. That's oh. what I was hoping for. Here? Looking at the backyard barbecue party. Fried burger and the groom burger, and uh, we'll join. Now, go on over there and see the juggler. Go over there and see the juggler. A barbecue wedding. <laughs> it's every girl's fantasy. This is a better idea than the steak pit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get some uh, picnic tables and uh, crepe paper and balloons. You know, invite all our best pals. I'll make my famous guacamole. A wedding at home. This is a great idea. <laughs> you said that you're, you're, you think your dad had visions of doing something like that for you? Oh, they pushed hard for a backyard wedding. And you were unwilling to do this because? Well, one, they have a very hilly backyard. True. So I was like, you know, for dancing space, there's not a whole lot of room to move around. I was also worried about like the bathroom situation because that would mean... They would have to get porta potties, and also I'm not an outside kind of person. So that's what I was thinking. So it w- there were practical reasons why you wouldn't have wanted it, but it also it just wasn't really your style. Yeah, I'm not an outside chick. Right. So this is when Martin Short enters the scene. Gorgeous. Look how close to the crystal. Oh, perfect. Gorgeous. Master and Mrs. Bonks and the lovely bride. Hello. Hello. Okay, so I put the subtitles on. I ran back and and watched this with the subtitles. Apparently, he's saying things there. There were things in the script anyway. There's absolutely no way he was speaking words. (laughs) It's nice to meet you. 
Master and Mrs. Banks and the lovely bride. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Banks. And the lovely bride. Hello. 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 I'm going to play a game with you. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. Would you like some pleasure to meet you? It's very spreadable. <laughs> We've got a baguette here. You can just spread the prajo to macho all over it. Oh, boy. Is this after your time to the dango hole? Oh, yes. The dango hole. Oh, the bread, the bread. Right away, I realized this was a mistake of gargantuan proportions. This guy was going to coordinate our wedding. How? With subtitles? Racist. So I did. I liked how very American he seemed when coming into contact with another culture. Well, that and I think part of me wonders if he was also, they, they never state it, but the, the relationship between Frank and Frank's assistant, like he just seemed very unnerved by the two of them working together. So did you get some of that? Did you get a little homophobia? I, didn't, yeah. I don't know if I registered any homophobia. It seemed xenophobic more than anything. Yeah, definitely heavy on the xenophobia, but uh, just I, I think it's never stated, but I, I was trying to look for specific instances of subtle like looks and things like that. Yeah. I was keeping my eye open. I wasn't watching for it diligently, but I didn't notice anything like that. Like I, I kind of got that maybe he was going for either a metrosexual or a homosexual sort of thing. Certainly wasn't closeted about being who he was. Oh yeah. He's just very Martin Short's character here is just very much peacocked. He is who he is like just right. showy. Yeah. yeah. So, but I didn't, I didn't really get any inkling of a relationship mm-hmm. of any kind between him and his assistant. I don't know, but I but I didn't really get any of that from George. I, I just mainly got that he was uncomfortable. Just this is a, this is a different person. Why can't you speak like a normal human American? So just general discomfort. <laughs> okay, please come with me, and we'll talk all about our big day, the big okay. day for the bride. Papala kum Papala kum. Papala. Papala kum. Papala. <laughs> is that is that another language or is that a weird way of saying papa? I think that's just the Martin Short whatever <laughs> region he's going for, whatever region. So <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna use that to you, like whenever I need you at the wedding, like papa. Papa. <laughs> papa. Yes, that's me. I'm the papala. Kum papala, time for the photographs. Uh, so for la- my wedding, the photographs. So later in the movie, I think he he says like the word actually or something like that. It's actually, but it has like three more syllables in it than it should. Mm. It's just another instance of that. Like I don't know what accent he's going for, but he doesn't know. <laughs> it's non-committal everything. Where is this guy from? Oh, sit down. On my own design, I designed that very nice, I think. Now, so you have not made up your list yet, but you know that you want the wedding at home on January 6th, right? <laughs> January, January 6th. 6. <laughs> January 6th is what he says. <laughs> January 6th. January 6th. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Excuse me? Yes, we would. We would like a wedding at home on January the 6th. Mm. I love the weddings at the homes. They're very personable, very warm, because they're fabulous. Oh, so... Okay, so... Very something, very fabulous. Warm and cozy. Warm? Yeah. Warm and cozy. Was there a cozy in there? Yeah. There was a cozy in there. All right, let me listen to that again. Really? Mm. (laughs) I love the weddings at the homes. 
They're very personable, very warm and cozy, very fabulous. Okay, that was a cozy. Oh, so Jawar Six. Jawar Six. Uh oh, hello, that's five months. <laughs> five months, not much. But that don't bother me so much because it's a little bit tight, but we can do it and it will be spectacular. <laughs> I was like, worry, I was like, I'm don't worry about that. So now, let's see. This is what I suggest. I suggest that we select the cat first. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that don't worry me so much. <laughs> Just. You know, because the cat very often determines the what kind of wedding that you end up having. So let's just choose the cat, okay? Okay. Choose, choose, choose the what? The cake, Dad. I don't know how he has an adjusted to understanding. He is semi incomprehensible, but you can follow along. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot if I asked you. You think this is better than the Colonel Sanders that I had? Yes. Gotcha. That's uh, real disappointing because I was planning on shaving off this stuff. And <laughs> you just having you a really, really want to long... have a really spectacular hairstyle at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, I want people to remember. <laughs> Look, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm doing very... this. For, I'm doing this for your benefit. I want people to remember this wedding, so I have to help out. Maybe if they're looking at me, <laughs> they won't be so distracted by you. <laughs> Thank you, dear assistant. This is fun. See, dear assistant, he <laughs> says. Dear assistant. That's German. I think he meant it like more like D E A R. Oh, so dear. Yeah. Oh, well, who knows? Who knows with this guy? <laughs> so, this is a very popular character with many oh. of the fashionable wadings, you know? And this. Wadings? Uh, don't do anymore. And this is fabulous. Oh, oh, that is incredible. <laughs> and that the little sneer, the facial expression that he gets. Kind of like a half smirk. <laughs> Just like the one we saw in the magazine. Mm -hmm. Do you like it, Dad? Well, what is that? Is, is that dollars, $1,200? Beloved, my master, this is a very reasonable price for a cake at this magnitude. A cake franc. <laughs> Did he say a cake at this magnitude? A cake of this magnitude, it's a very reasonable price. Sure. I had a flour and water. My first car didn't cost $1,200. <laughs> well, welcome to the 90s, Mr. Bong. <laughs> not only did I not understand a syllable this guy was saying, now I had the feeling he was putting me down. Excuse me, Aunt. Could we please have a second? Oh, of course, take those seconds. For, for reference, my cake was around $350. $350. And your dress? Was about the cost of the cake, the $1,200. And your bridesmaids' dresses? Some of them were able to find it around $60. Oh. My sister, unfortunately, had to get like a special size, so she had to get hers for like $200. But she, being a nursing mother, had some weight fluctuations. Yes. So she, she lost a lot of weight and needed a new dress. Yep. Howard, let's return calls. Kvikach. Okay, so this is where he's talking about the head count for the wedding. Now, we've already done the math, but this is just a good example of how whiny and uncooperative he is about everything. $250 a head means for the four of us to attend this wedding in our own home will cost $1,000. Therefore, we are not getting up from this table until we cut this list down to the bare minimum. Now invite as many people as you want to the church. Pack them in. Build a grandstand if you want, but we are not having more than 150 people in this house on the day of the wedding. 
<laughs> All right, let's start eliminating. Okay. Jim, Pepper, and wife. Oh, oh not Fine, we'll start with one of mine. I'll cut Steve and Stephanie Terrell. They're very good clients Say of no mine. Say no more, they're history. All right, Jim, Pepper, and wife. Oh, not him. I haven't seen him in 15, George. All right, I'll say I lost his address. Now, here's somebody. Your cousin Betsy, the poet-waitress picture framer. We can't cut family. <laughs> they know about the wedding. I only invited one person, Cameron. Mom said I could have a friend there. For 250 bucks, you can see Cameron after the wedding. All right, very good. <laughs> Five down. We're rolling. I feel like weddings should allow you to pay your way in. Like, if you're not a good enough friend or whatever... And to actually be to invited, go. yeah, and you want to go, you should be able to pay your way in. There's no tactful way to bring that up. For the, the person who wants to go? Yeah, like if someone offered to, like, I really wanted to go, I, I will pay you to go. Like, it, it just... I think you just did it. That's it. That's the way to do it. Yeah, but what if you never really wanted the person? Like, I can think of someone off the top of my head that if they offered to pay their own way in, I still wouldn't want them at my wedding. Well... Then that's a that's a special case. But what about someone else that you might have wanted at your wedding? It's you're not hugely pressed whether or not they come or otherwise. Well, or the, but the you way didn't want to pay for them if they wanted to pay their way in. It, it's to me it it'd be an uncomfortable question. If you want to make someone really uncomfortable, see what happens if you do that. Like wait, wait for someone else to get married who doesn't invite you to their wedding. Be like, I want to go. I'll pay for my own plate. <laughs> see how they flounder. I mean, should that be weird? Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause, in a way, because it, it's also it's allowing... It's presumptuous, you, I guess. Yeah. yeah like, it, why do you want to be there so badly if I didn't want you there to begin with? Or not even so much that they didn't want them there, but they... You Maybe know. there wasn't enough space. Yeah. And then who are you kicking out by paying your own way in? Yeah, if little little if, grandma, Mima. Yeah. She, well, she didn't pay her way in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she's the Mima. So, take out your pocketbook, lady. Put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. If you care about these people so much, you'll pay your way in like I do. I cared enough to pay. But eventually, then, everybody will want to be in so badly, everyone's eventually going to pay their way in because they're going to get knocked out. They don't want to be knocked out, so they pay their way in, knock somebody else out. So then it becomes a profitable affair. Exactly. That's the way to do weddings. But uh, if you do that, then it's the expectation that you give them a gift. Yes. You got to get them a gift. You paid your way in so that you could give them the gift. Yeah. Well, and really, you would have bought them a gift, hopefully, before you knew you were going to get bumped out and then had to pay your way in. You're making me very uncomfortable about this prospect. I feel very glad that this episode is not released until the day before the wedding, so no one can attempt this. <laughs> I really like this idea. I hope someone tries it. I hope it's you. I want to see how you, you're successful. Uh, right. I've been invited. I'm going to possibly to two weddings this year. Yours and my almost kind of stepsister. Mine's more important. Uh, but also hers is out of town. Mm. How far out of town? Louisiana. Yeah, that's pretty far out of town. <laughs> While you're there, eat some beignets. Some bengay? I think that comes in a tube. It's usually to spread on your body, not on ben bread. Beignet, the donut. They put it on donuts there? <sighs> Why are they, uh, what's going on there? <sighs> is this a cultural difference? <laughs> I feel like the chemicals will still be bad for you. A beignet. Yeah. Is a it's like a fried donut with powdered sugar on it. Oh, that you get them good. At you coffee. can only get that in Louisiana. It's technically a Louisiana delicacy. Oh, interesting. Like alligator. Oh, that was Florida. Well, you can get gators in Florida, but I mostly associate it with kind of Creole Cajun cooking. Well, there you go. So we've got more here, surely. What about Harry Kirby? We haven't seen him in ages. Ah, oh, jeez. Didn't Harry Kirby die last year? Yes. Good. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. 
who's he's just so whiny and just I he's I would hate him <laughs> if I if I lived with him I would despise him I would divorce him mm. he's mm. just so like not my guy and disinvite one of your people it's cutthroat weddings Frank Egelhofer anyway this is mine I don't care anymore all right so this is where they're auditioning a wedding singer wetting oh i i purposefully didn't tell you who this was oh i knew who it was well no like before we watched it i did oh yeah, yeah. yeah i wanted you to be surprised so first of all before they actually get into the house to audition the wedding singer we hear something that frank says in the in their yard oh it's very nice we'll change it all though I thought that was a good line. Bronk and his crew had arrived to finalize all the details of the wedding. First was an audition for a band singer. There's your Gene Levy. No wonder Andy's happy heart sings. Brian's love is giving her wings. Hey, like birds of a feather, a rainbow. Just as I was about to say, don't. Oh boy! All right, so uh, you know it's it's not great singing. There's no way around that. And I guess it, it translated into best in show. And for the love of God, this man went on to make best of show. That also translated into fish called Wanda. Cantare. <laughs> well, it was much better sung by Kevin Klein. Yes, <laughs> not to be confused with Kelvin, who also probably would sing it well if he if he turned his hand to that. Yeah, right? Who knows? Does, does Calvin Klein exist? Did he ever exist, or is that just a brand name? I'm pretty sure he existed. That was a real person? I just don't know what he looks like or sounds like. What if he was an Asian woman? What would you say about that? He'd <laughs> still sing beautiful, show tune kind of big band music. <laughs> Sorry. I, I kind of asked you a, a, just a really weird question, and you <laughs> respond like it was a weird question. <laughs> just Well, you take everything seriously. You gotta... <laughs> What if Calvin Klein was an Asian woman? What would you say about that? I said, and then what kind of question is that? <laughs> what would you say about that? Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, this guy went on to make best in show. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. I can't believe he went on to make such a disgusting disaster. <laughs> anyway. A moving van must take oh, everything up. Oh, it's an orthodox van, so sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Annie, uh -huh. this is Bunks. Come huh? this way, please. So, what do you think of the zinger? We do have other choices. Right I'd like to see him. Good, that could be no problem. <laughs> I came to her, everyone. They're my best friend in the whole world, Hank Jukuninsky. Shove in the haven. Hi. <laughs> Did he just say shove Tri in the heaven? Trim in the hedges. Is that what he said? <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> Hi. Hi. If I could have a moment of your time to discuss the menu. Can okay. I take a moment of your time to discuss the menu? Did you actually understand that? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I just, I think I've just become uh, tuned I, into. During that other scene, I, I had locked into it. I think I we've talked about other things for so long that I'm not locked in anymore. I need to get back in the game. The menu, the menu, no, remind the menu. me. The menu, yes. Unfortunately, Hank didn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Hank doesn't speak English. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I'll translate. <laughs> so I will translate. Translate. Frank, that'll, that'll be a big help. 
Yes, can't fight that. This is what hunk seduced for the men. This is what hunk seduced. I just like he and suggest becomes seduced. Yeah. Oh, really? I have a problem with that. With what? With veal, I keep reading there's a lot of inhumane treatment in the way they treat the calves. I mean, it's entirely, that's what veal is, is mistreatment. Yeah, but I don't think it was as widely known back in 91 times. Have you ever had veal? When I was younger, my mom ordered it over at Mesa Note in Sabrina Park, and she oh. gave me a bite, and I didn't know what it was. Cafe Mez. I, I haven't yeah. been there in a long time. I haven't either. It's a good place. Yeah. Good food. Very good food. Yeah. Expensive a bit. Yeah, but I think they've also done a lot of work to kind of get out of the mom and pop Italian field into more yeah. nuanced fields. Yeah, I went there last time and there were some hip, like, sophisticants mm-hmm. working as waiters there. Yeah. Hip sophisticants. I miss the mom and pop feel. You do? You miss the mom and pop feel? Well, they, they had the best calamari. Man, eh, screw mom and pop. What did they ever do for anybody? They, they were the mom and the pop. I want young hip sophisticants. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had it for a long time. I didn't figure. I didn't actually find out that veal was tortured baby cow. Yeah, until the South Park episode that I saw years. And you're like, later. that can't be real. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it it opened up the thing for question, and I uh, I looked into it, and I think with um, the internet, a lot of things kind of became more. If people understood, they were less likely to eat it. Like foie gras, I would never eat. I don't know that I've ever had foie gras. But isn't that like a goose that was like overfed to the Over- point that it bursts or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that their liver explodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not chic, but cheap. Cheap. Finally, a word I understood. I hear that. My first and last piece of good news. Mrs. Banks? Yes? One last thing. What is he doing? We need more amps to light the house in the tent. It's cheaper than bringing in a new line. In terms of the florals out front, we're going to color coordinate with the swans, right? Swans? Oh, they'd be wonderful. Perfect. We're having swans? Frank thought it would be great to have swans waddling around the tulip border. He knows the guest center. It would be really Nina, we don't have a tulip border. You will. (laughs) How much is... Stop, Hans. We have problem. Hunt does not know they want the proper chicken. He doesn't what? <laughs> oh, I have the same question. Doesn't hum jump the proper poopin? Is what I heard. We have a problem. Honk does not want to do the cheaper chicken. Oh, he doesn't want to do the cheaper chicken. Gotcha. Frogs with the tent connection. <laughs> right after that was a great moment. Frog. <laughs> Frog doesn't want to do the cheaper chicken. Uh, honk and, does not want to do the right. And Steve Martin said what? And instead of clarifying, <laughs> Martin Short just shakes his head sadly. <laughs> he doesn't answer. Through here. I've been meaning to fix that. You have to push them. Oh. Oh. A visualization oh, no, of everything coming apart. Let's see. Oh, oh that, uh, that's all our stuff. We can fix that. Now, Mr. Bonks, please, about the soft food. Hong wants to know if it's okay or not okay. No, Frank. Tell Honk it's not okay. If I had to move out all the furniture 
and add amps and repaint the walls and get a new tux and pay for swans, then I like the chipper chicken. <laughs> Is that clear? I understood the chapel part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The kinds of it reminds me of Gus and Sean when they're like conferring <laughs> and they're trying to be different and they do that sort of thing where they're just like bickering back and forth really quickly. Clickety. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it. Hunk says he will think about this. Now we do not want to lose him. He is a genius, and we need his mind. Okay? So, let's see what I can do. Hot! Hot! <laughs> Flamin's! I'm fine, but shaving the haven! Shaving the haven! Shaving the haven! Shaving the haven! And I love the way he walks. He's a short guy, Martin Short. Yeah. But he, like, he walks as though he's even shorter. Yeah. <laughs> he's like taking steps that are like two inches long. So he's oh. just taking more steps. Did you ever see, probably not, but in our, our, the early 90s, there was this really horrible movie called Clifford where he played. The Big Red Dog? No. It, he basically plays this like really horrible man child. Like he's supposed to be Mark a child. Mark Short does. Yeah. Okay. And like he just really wants to go to this dinosaur adventure world and he tortures this guy to get what he wants. No, I've never heard of this. Oh, God. It, it's such a bizarre film. It's not good. Oh, okay. But, like, it's a prime example of him being able to pull off the short guy with... Like, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see you're starting to lose it, but I have one more question. Very minor. I'll say it quickly. Parking attendance. Four is comfortable. Three is acceptable. Anything less absolutely terrifies me. Two. Two. <laughs> George. Two. Two. Hawk says if you want the file, he wasn't in this. He passes. He passes? Hey, Dad, how's it going? <laughs> I came to get my sneakers. Doesn't it seem a little soon to start calling him Dad? I mean, I don't really know what the procedure is there. I don't think Mark's ever going to call my dad Dad. Uh, he could say, hey, me. <laughs> hey, other Mark. Other Mark. He could do other Mark. Mark one, Mark two, does he, does Mark he, three. What does he say? Does he say, hey, Mark, Mr. Rocklin? What does he do? Or does he just kind of bypass that, just say, hey? I think he does Mark and Evelyn. Mark and Evelyn? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I left him in Annie's room last night. I was beginning to feel like I was having an out-of-body experience. I had to get out of the house and fast. Nina said as long as I was escaping, would I mind escaping to the market and picking up something for dinner? Sure, that was all I needed, a busy supermarket. I needed to drive, mellow out, get my mind off the wedding. I mean, he has so little self-control as a person <laughs> that he can't... He, <laughs> his daughter's getting married, and to help that along, his wife's asked him to get something from the grocery store as long as he's having his tantrum outside. <laughs> and he, he's like, oh, sure, that's all I need. You, sh- shut up, guy. <laughs> get it together, man. Yeah. You, you're an adult man. So- In your 40s or 50s, I can't really tell with your hair. But get it together. I, I will say that I've seen people reach their fun limits. Sometimes we're not all rational as we should be. No, but what has got him to that point? His daughter's wedding. You've got people doing stuff for you. All you have to do is say yes, no, two, four. Yeah. Like, I, other people are doing all the hard work for you. 
and he's not even the one solely paying for it. He said at some point they say his wife and he both have successful businesses, so she's paying for it also. She's not freaking out. He needs to get it together. Yeah, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. Pull it together, Steve. <laughs> Steve, my boy. But mellowing out was not in the cards. All right, so now he's at a supermarket and he's just taking out Excuse hot dog buns me. from the package. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I want to buy eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns to go with them. But no one sells eight hot dog buns. They only sell 12 hot dog buns. So I end up paying for four buns I don't need. So I am removing the superfluous buns. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but you're going to have to pay for all 12 buns. They're not marked individually. Yeah. You want to know why? <laughs> Because some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together with some big shot over at the Bun Company and decided to rip off the American public. Because I, I bet that's true. The American public is a bunch of trusting nitwits that's who also pay true. things they don't need rather than make a stink. Well, they're not ripping off this nitwit anymore because I'm not paying for one more thing I don't need. George I mean, it's Banks totally within the personality of an American now. to make a stink, though. Who's George Banks? He's the original Karen. Me! <laughs> that was a good delivery. I also like the <laughs> Halloween decorations that don't go up in January. Are those ho- Halloween decorations? They're jack-o'-lanterns. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, and they've got a rip thing up here. A good catch. Good catch. Continuity. So that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't have them take down the decorations. They must have filmed at a real store or something because otherwise they would have gotten the decorations right. To his point, though. It is rather annoying that you have to get a baker's dozen of rolls and it's disproportionate to the amount of... Totally agree. It's it's stupid that they do things that but way. However... You could also do the math where you get the, the right amount of buns per hot dog. You sure can. And he doesn't. And also buns are cheap. So just, it's, you know, you're going to be okay. Or you could use the buns later for other things. I will do that. I will have peanut butter on them because there are, in fact, bread. But the guy in the Austin Powers... The R. In the, the R, in fact. <laughs> the R, in fact. Uh, no, but this guy in the Austin Powers suit has totally lost his mind, and he's having a little meltdown about buns. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we just calm down now, sir? I'll tell you why we don't calm down. I really like this argument. This is something that I would say. <laughs> because you're not excited. It takes two people for a we to calm down, doesn't it? Uh, that I don't know, sir. I'm just <laughs> the assistant manager of a supermarket. But I'll tell you this. If you don't pipe down and pay for those buns, I'm going to call the police. Oh, right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, right. That's right. Hey, right. Hey, hey, come here. Uh-huh. Come here. Uh-huh. Come here. Uh-huh. Clean up aisle two. Clean up aisle two. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> Of all the corny. Anyway, my next timestamp is... Uh, <laughs> all right, so this is where the both the Double Martin double act, they're about to deal with the cars blocking the road and the police officers. Give me your wallet. Well, the, the problem is, officer, that we're supposed to have four parking attendants, uh, but two got the flu. Well, you better get all these cars off the street before the fire marshal gets here. Fine, fine. Any suggestions what we do with that? I don't care what you do with them. Just have them off the street within the next 30 minutes. Will do, sir. We'll take care of it. You're not to worry, okay? Oh, uh, uh, George, you need me inside. Uh, the big moment. <laughs> the keg is being wheeled uh, out. I'll handle it. 
I'm on my way. Where are we going to get a couple extra drivers? Okay, so when did this movie become a cartoon? Well, it's still a family comedy. At no point in this movie has something outside the realm of some kind of realism happened. Yeah. And now they're going to have two children, literal, I mean, they're like, what, six? Yeah, they're pretty young. Drive 300 cars or however many people are here. Clear the pathway. Now, why didn't more people carpool? Good question. And I don't know why the two car attendants couldn't have, like, the, the car attendants were supposed to have been at fault for them being par- the cars being parked in the road because there weren't enough. Who parked in the road? Also true. Like, if you didn't have an attendant, don't park it in the middle of the road. If you did have an attendant and he's short-staffed or whatever, why is he parking it in the road? Also true. The, none of that makes any sense. And then they enlist children to park it. And they're more than eager to help. They sure look it, don't they? Hey, baby, I'm your man. Come around your I may not stand tall and I don't talk but I'm gonna Oh, it's a stick, apparently. That small child can drive a stick. Yeah, how do you shift gears? How does he get in the pedals? How is any of this happening? Yeah. I can't believe it. It's uh, zero out of ten. This movie. So, <laughs> also, why did he? Why is he doing this? Why is the father of the bride doing this? Because Frank can't. He has to be there to wheel out the cake. Get someone else. Yeah, anyone no. else. And that—that's the thing. I think a lot of these things don't. They're not supposed to fall on the bride, the groom, or the family, right? Because they're supposed to be. Part this is of the, their day. Yeah, I that just blows my mind. And there's no Dottie. Uh, Dottie. There's, there's no Dottie. There's no Dottie. Why didn't they invite Dottie to the wedding? <laughs> Dottie is their best friend. I can't believe they did. <laughs> Poor Dottie. Oh damn it, Dottie! All right, no, but no, why is there no father-daughter dance? Maybe they didn't want one. My dad doesn't want one. I'm making him do it. Well, then there's going to be one. And it certainly is a traditional one. And this seems to be very leaning heavy on tradition. Mm-hmm. The, the whole family. thing about weddings, the, the only reason they exist is tradition. Exactly. So, and this he's a, he's a big guy on tradition. Not a big guy, but he is big on tradition. And I just can't believe that there's no f- dotty dance. That we saw. He's they, over here. Yeah, you would have thought that they... Well, and that would have happened well before. No, we know that there wasn't because what led up to this was he was trying to find her. He couldn't find her. He wanted to get out there and see her. And yeah, and he he got into a line and then other stuff kept pulling her away and then he got pulled into this. He hasn't seen her. Yeah. Like he hasn't been able to interact with her at all. And then she even makes her way into the car without seeking him out at the end of the movie. Crazy. Just task. Crazy. Anyway, that's all I've got for this movie. What do you got? So my last one is 138-22, which is just kind of the touching goodbye. He's missed her the entire evening. She tosses the bouquet, and then he's trying to get out to her. And, like, it just seems like everyone is physically barring his way. Well, I don't blame these people. Like, in the foreground, they're just wandering out of a house leisurely, as you would. You know, it's not like they're standing still. No, but I, like, from his perspective, like, I feel like he's been desperately trying to... Yeah. I mean, shout out to her or something. I don't know. I can't believe that she didn't look for him. Yeah. It's crazy. She was gone. My Annie was gone. For and I was too late to say goodbye.
Sounds like music from Kingdom Hearts. I could see it. Simple. The last guest was yeah, gone. Yeah, that's it. Hold me. Well, I'm not going to sing the whole song, but I could. I know that whole song. Don't you even test me. Whatever lies beyond this morning. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry about it. Don't even There's ask. a little later on, regardless of warnings. The future doesn't scare me at all. Nothing's... Li- I'm not going to sing it. Like before. <laughs> so don't have it play at the wedding is what I'm hearing. Not unless you want me to sing along. Well, I am having them let Tony sing a song, so I'd be honored if you sang Simply Clean. <laughs> <laughs> I will, and it will be representative of your relationship. It's simple and clean. Last glass of champagne had been drunk. We surveyed the damage. And now we're back to the opening scene. It's funny how empty a house can suddenly get, isn't it? Sorry you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to her, George. Oh, that's all right. I think at know, the I... beginning of the movie, his bow tie was undone, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a clip-on. So it was dangling to one side, and it was intact. I think she's going to be really happy. Oh, well, yeah. Sure. <laughs> We're not a clip-on, but pre-tied. Dad? Hi. Where are you? At the airport. Our plane's about to take off, but I couldn't leave without saying goodbye. Thank Mom for everything, okay? Dad? I love you. I love you very much. Not enough to wait for him before leaving. sweetheart. Thanks for calling. And have a great honeymoon. Thanks, I will. Bye. He's a handsome young buck, don't you think? Ben? I will feel a glow just thinking of you and the way you So I like the way that they closed this out yeah. with all the lights kind of painting now. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. kind of artsy more artsy than any other part of this movie yeah all right so we're going on to act four the rose awards ceremony okay okay that's quite enough out of you now i gave my rose award to mommy huh nina so funny thing i too gave mine to nina and brian 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 i don't know what he did so just the i liked that the parallels i mean he he kind of messed up by giving her a a blender and as we all know that's a euphemism for get get in the kitchen lady i mean i'm happier in the kitchen so i'll be delighted to but no so uh george himself makes the parallel that brian and nina are the same that they're the cool rational people who really balance or complement the other so annie and george are 
the same and they're that kind of high strung anxious energy and they need their Nina or their Brian to to exist so in that vein Brian and Nina are the same well the personality types are the same but I don't think they did the same amount to progress the plot of the movie also true I mean the mom kind of does everything and the father just kind of comes along kicking and screaming the whole time and trying to be uncooperative and create roadblocks to every situation so is George your thorn? He certainly is. <laughs> I don't think there's even competition. Who else tried to stop this wedding from happening? Yeah, I I didn't come up with anyone else either. They they definitely got in their own way. So George uh, and Annie were kind of that same emotional, uh, emotional, irrational, emotional being. Master Roshi. Master Roshi. They were the Master Roshi. No, it's uh. So George and Annie were my thorns. What did Annie do? Well, she freaked out over the the blender and what the blender could mean. And really, he's just like, she likes banana smoothies. Yeah. And and she thought that he was lying because she believed her dad. Yeah. But that was really only one instance. And also just kind of, she also For the most part, she seemed kind of easygoing. But she didn't really speak her mind. It was very passive aggressive. Like, well, not a a small wedding, but not a big wedding. Like, I don't know if that was passive aggressive so much as it was not wanting to like demand something of her father who's going to be paying for it but trying to let him know what she was envisioning yeah she's trying to give him her opinion and ease him into an idea that he's uncomfortable with okay i didn't i didn't find her to be bad at all i mean she had her little freak out but i feel like a lot of people do yeah well weddings do bring out the higher emotions out of people yeah I didn't think she was bad. I mean, she for the most part, she seemed like a really cool, easygoing person Yeah. with a, one little blip. Uh, whereas the dad, the entire movie, he was just an insane person. He was a big old blip. So you gave yours to George and Annie. Mm-hmm. You gave to just George. Yeah, well, so for the mom, yeah, she had the best attitude. She also funded the wedding and she did the most to help it. George was a roadblock to everything and everyone. Anyway, who was your love award? So I was torn. I really liked Kieran. I specifically loved his... Who? The little brother. Oh, yeah, Kieran uh, McCullicuddy. McCull- oh, gosh, now I just can't even say any words. <laughs> um, so uh, I just loved the scene between him and his father, George, where he's like, no lasting damage, no lasting psychological damage. Like, I thought that seemed forced. Oh, it just, it was kind of cute. I, I like it when kids use kind of the, the words bigger than their their age yeah. would suggest. But between him and Frank, just because out of sheer sheer enjoyment. Well, I, I definitely give it uh, hands down to Martin Short, Frank. <laughs> that is fantastic. He just, he spreads joy and incomprehension. <laughs> Who did you hate? Uh, the dad, obviously. Oh. <laughs> George, he George. was far too whiny. I like Steve Martin, but uh, even he couldn't save this character from being just a black hole of uncharisma <laughs> uncharisma i like that it's a word <laughs> Just, uh, i didn't hate anyone i didn't think anyone was important enough to deserve my ire what happened to george i don't hate him why not i can i think part of me just sees a lot of my dad's energy in him so it's kind of hard to hate gotcha so, so this i is just need Rosie. to i need to train you to hate your dad first and then you can hate him yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. Gotcha. All right. So let's go on to the ratings. Now, for the genre, I called it a comedy. Yeah, I called it family comedy. A comedy? Mm-hmm. Family comedy, I guess, is better. Because it, it, it sets the expectations low, and I think that's that's good. Oh, no. This is, this is where this goes off rails. <laughs> well, for comedy, 
is this really going to be a 10 out of 10 for comedy? No. No. So I think setting the bar low for comedy is a good thing. (laughs) Um, So for family comedy, I gave it a six out of 10. Okay. So I had originally been rating it for comedy and I I gave it a three out of 10. Okay. For family comedy. I mean, what else is in that category? Like vacation? Yeah. Vacation, Christmas, family vacation. (laughs) Well, but those movies, those movies I would give like an eight or a nine. Oh, interesting. So let's see. Other family kind of home alone. I would say it's a family comedy. Enjoyable movie, but how funny is it? It has its moments. Does it? Mm-hmm. What's Let's, a big laugh? When, you know, the burglars are being bludgeoned within an inch of their life. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For family comedy, I guess four. Okay. Four out of ten. Okay. Yeah, I thought that uh, for prose, there were some good moments that would get, get a laugh out of me. I got a good chuckle whenever Martin Short was incomprehensible. That gave me a chuckle. I think as Martin said it, Steve Martin, not Martin Short, uh, it's a great story about nothing, overreacting, and the drama that can surround an event like this. Because they, having just lived it, I I will say that it can be highly emotional and irrational at times. Sure, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But just talking family comedy, I thought the laughs were generally smallish and brief. Mm-hmm. And really, I, th- I thought that all of the, the funny moments were kind of cent- centered around performances. And it wasn't the script that was funny. They, there were no written jokes that I laughed at. It was just facial expressions that Steve Martin was making. And because Martin Short, nobody wrote those gibberish lines. He just did that. That was funny. But nothing else in the movie was funny. Okay. Not, not, not that I could discern anyway. Can you think of a, a, a written joke that might have been good? I thought the bit with the hot dogs was good. When he's talking about like the the we, it takes two people to calm down, so it's not a we situation. Yeah, I guess that was. I mean, it's not like a big laugh. No, it's 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 a cute moment, I guess. I'd say more funny than cute. I don't think there was anything cute or precious about it. I don't know. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a big laugh. So yeah, I guess if that was the example of a written joke, that's kind of what I'm talking about. It was. It was mainly the performances that were kind of funny from the Double Martins. What about directors then? I don't know. I gave it a 5 out of 10. I did too. I don't know if it should be lower because it was just, it was kind of, I I say 5 out of 10 because it felt middle of the road Mm -hmm. in kind of every respect. It it felt entirely generic the way it was filmed. Yeah, there there wasn't a lot. uh, I I even said that the directors didn't really take a big risk and there's no like a dramatic artistic vision. So it, it was good, not great. Yeah, I mean, it felt like the most generic of generic directing. So, fine competent but there was nothing interesting about the way it was directed how did you feel about the music the same but i gave it a four out of ten because i never i didn't really notice the music and when i did it felt so i gave it a five out of ten and the reason i did i thought that the music that was there was good i like the use of some of the kind of more classic 60s songs that they used the big thing was the score you know that has been reused and repurposed in a lot of other tv and films and commercials which i think kind of speaks to its longevity however on reevaluation of that statement just now i don't know that i identify that score with this movie more so than i recognize that score being used like is it good or bad in the context of this movie I think it was a powerful score for this movie. Like, I think that it was maybe a little too strong a score for the emotions that we were seeing. Yeah. But I thought that the music was very powerful, and I thought it did a good job. 
of being a powerful song. So music on its own, I think music did a good job. So I five out of 10. All right. So for writing, I gave it a four out of 10. I don't know if I should go lower because it's not, I mean, I had some problems like how did Ben know that he had messed with the mirror? Why did they enlist kids to get rid of all the cars that were parked in the road? Why were their cars parked in the road? There were some like just problems. Mm -hmm. And why was he seeming like he was upset about the wedding at the beginning of the movie where at that point chronologically he shouldn't have been upset. So there were, there were problems with the script, but mostly it just felt predictable and the jokes were weak. So for writing, I gave it a five out of 10. I just, it was a very simple story. From what I saw and read about their original, they just did some updating for the the modern or more modern 90s narrative at the time. So I, I don't think that there was a lot to it. Like So it was just kind of a simple writing story. So yeah. I, I could see it being dropped a little lower to four. Yeah, so it was generic and predictable and things like that on top of the fact that there were also problems with it. So I feel like it should have been... I would say three, but that puts it in waxwork territory. And it was better than waxwork for sure. The writing, I guess, was... Dialogue, I suppose, was definitely better than, than waxworks. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Mom, I need my caffeine. Badly. <laughs> so I know how you feel about the Martins acting. What, what score did you give? I gave it a 4.5 out of 10. Pros. Nobody broke character, and that's pretty good. The comedy acting from the two Martins was pretty good. And cons, uh, you know, nobody gave a powerhouse performance. Everyone was just all right. So I gave it a 6 out of 10, but I think I'm going to adjust it down to a 5. So I, I appreciate your points of view. I would say that, you know, a lot of this story's storytelling was successful because of the Martins specifically and everyone else just kind of blends into the background. Yeah. If the Martins are not on the screen, you're kind of looking for them. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Like nobody's giving like a fantastic performance and no one's, no one else is engaging mm -hmm. until they get on screen and then they give you a little giggle and then it's back to the slog. So I guess it's time to get into our ultimate ratings. Overall rating, real rating. What would you give this movie? So my reel, I kept out a 5 out of 10. Okay. I give it a 4 out of 10. Okay. And just for the many flaws that I've already kind of listed out, it, it was mainly because it was generic and felt just well-trod territory. Like, you, you know everything that's about to happen, and that's not always a bad thing, but there was, there was no extra, like, spice or flair to, mm -hmm. to, you know, to liven up the predictable story. I mean, there was decent comedic performances from the two Martins, but I don't think anyone would say it's their best work. Well, welcome to the nine days. <laughs> <laughs> so my heart rating is a little biased, and I will acknowledge that. Okay. So I, I kept it with my nostalgia rating at a 7 out of 10. Wow. But, but I recognize where it would have been a little bit lower if I wasn't about to get married. And I saw a lot more of my family and the reactions in this family and their reactions yeah. right now watching it because it's so close to what's going on right now. I think if we watched it outside of the time frame of me being a person who's getting married tomorrow, I think my heart would have dropped a little bit. But right now I'm like super rosy emoting to it. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense. It's very personal to you right now, and so it's connecting to the heart. My heart rating for this is a it's a one. Okay, didn't love it at all. That that's as low as best in show. Yeah, which is whew. did I well? I might have given best in show a zero. I don't it, remember. I think you tried to give it a number to make sure that it had a number scale, but 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, if this is, it's not like the worst movie ever. So that's why the real rating is a four and not a one, but there was nothing for me in this movie. Okay. I mean, the, the, like Martin Short. Frank and Honk. Frank. Yeah. He gave me a giggle a couple times, but I, I wouldn't sit through this movie so that I could get kind of a half a giggle out of these things. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> will I watch this again? Not if I can help it. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you for humoring me. So is, do you think that this is the best wedding movie? The best wedding movie? No. I don't think it's the best wedding movie. What's the best wedding movie? Whew. There's some good ones. My Big Fat Greek Wedding was really good. I haven't watched it in a long time, but My Best Friend's Wedding was really good. Is Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, was that a Dane Cook movie? But that's My Best Friend's Girl. Oh. <laughs> Muriel's Wedding was really good, but that that is actually, it's Toni Collette in one of her first cinematic roles. And She's a good actor. She's yeah, she's phenomenal. Uh, it's just kind of a bizarre, off the beaten path Australian film. So she's an Aussie. Is she an Aussie in real life? Yes. What coming to our shores and stealing our jobs? <laughs> I know. How dare! I can't believe it. Yeah. All these Brits and Aussies and Canuckians. <laughs> can't believe it. Send them all back to Russia. All but right. That's not where they're from. Back to Russia. So did Allison's opinion on this movie change at all from when she was a but a wee five-year-old lady girl person? I don't think it really did change all that much. I think I understand it a little bit better now, and I especially understand it more as someone who just went through the getting married process. Right. So I I think I understood a little bit more of kind of the, the weird pressure. Well, nice, nice. Well, noise. Noise. Well, I look forward to this tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be a big day. I'm going to get no rest today. So we're going to go to Act 5 next time on RTRs now because we're inserting this in between two other previously recorded episodes. We know that the next movie is going to be One Flew Over the Cuckoo Nest, and we've already recorded that. Uh, that that's going to be at the end of Taxi Driver, so yeah. go back and listen to Taxi Driver if you haven't heard that. It, yeah, just keep listening to Taxi Driver. Just listen to Taxi Driver. That's going to be a good episode. It is. I think Zach and I were talking before we started recording this about our favorite episodes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Waxworks is one of my favorite recording episodes, even though we were at our most silly. But Taxi Driver is, I think, one where we covered a serious dramatic film and we did a very good job. So I'm curious what you, the listener, think. There was a lot of stuff to dig into with Taxi Driver. There was a lot of... A lot uh, of meat. Yeah, there was a lot of trivia that we found. There were a lot. There was a lot of storytelling about the production of the movie throughout. A lot of questions that we could raise. A lot of debate we could have about character. There was just a lot to dig into there. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy it. And on uh, the other hand, Father of the Bride, not a lot of meat. Not a lot to dig into there. Yeah, it was uh, lean cuisine. Your dog is licking my foot. I'm a little uncomfortable. She's a. She's a. She's a nice little. She's pup. a heel. <laughs> And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. Do we have to leave on that note? Jeez. Remember to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, uh, and we'll, we'll read it here on the show. Yeah, and just get excited about our May review drive. Yes, just get all hyped up and such. Leave us reviews, and you'll probably win a cool, I won't say probably, but if you win the, uh, the competition, you uh, will win some fun movie, perhaps uh, Waxwork. It could also be Jaws. It could also be Waxwork. It could be Waxwork. It's probably going to be Waxwork. Oh, or it might be a, a, one of the Indie Joes. It might be the second one. Oh, my God. Should we torture the audience, uh, our winner, with Indie Joe 2? Can we make a loser? 
Their life. The, the winner. The loser. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll have two drawings, one to determine the winner and one to determine the loser. The winner gets something good. The loser gets we'll be ridiculed. <laughs> Indie Joe too, and will be ridiculed on this podcast. Uh, so also shout out and thanks to Julian Crowhurst for Ta-da! use of our theme song. And Frankie the Censor, we miss you. Well, he hasn't had much to sense recently. Yeah. No, he just, he left that little void for Tim Allen to just ruin our day. Yeah, he, I don't remember why he was here the other day, but he mm-hmm. jumped it right out of the window. And uh, now Tim Allen can get in whenever he wants. He just looks for those open windows, kids. So just remember to <laughs> shut your windows. Keep Tim Allen out of your homes. Shut your windows at night. This has been a PSA from Zachary and Allison. <laughs> if Tim Allen is a concern in your neighborhood, remember to close your windows. That's a weird thing to say to close out an episode. Uh, back to our libel case. Like it just—it's satire. It's all satire. Thanks, lawyers. All right, bye, everybody. I've been Zach. Bye. I've been Allison, and I'll see you after my wedding. Gotta make time Time for love. Time for love. You gotta make time for love.